welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. It is June 9th, 2019, but when you listen to this, it will be Father's Day 2019, so happy Father's Day to all you Dwarfy dads, I guess. Dwarfy dads. (laughs) And greetings from the past. You wanted to talk about Brave Mule, right? I was going to do kind of a shout out to Brave Mule was suggested by a a person who commented on our website on the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable site named uh, Kietz. I still haven't read that. I should. It's pretty cool. Do Um, that. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and talk about it now. Maybe I'm just too far into that, but I don't get it. And there's a lot of elves. I like the art, but... (laughs) When I tried to read it, yeah. Well, I actually loved it. So this guy's playing his his fortress, right? He started from an embark, and he's got his seven dwarves. And each month of game time, he is filling out a diary based on the experiences of each of those dwarves. So the first page of the diary talks about from the point of view of the so-called leader of the, of the fortress. And what I think that the person's doing is just going through and saying, you know, I had a confrontation with so-and-so I was non-affected. So he'll take that and write a little blurb for that day about it. So Mm -hmm. it is certainly extracting uh, story and, and narrative out of it, but I thought it was very funny, though, some of the actual blurbs that he had. It sounded very leader dwarfy. For example, and I'm, I will link to this, of course, in the, in the show notes. Uh, a quarrel happened when Dead informed me the mule course was alive. I bellowed at her. There are maggots. I bellowed again more polite. I'm sorry I bellowed. There are maggots. She picked up a plump squirmer out of the mule and put it in her mouth and swallowed, and she said, I have maggots also. Okay. I will not quarrel with this one again. Uh, <laughs> I like that. She ate a maggot. I'm not going to argue with this one anymore. <laughs> I I didn't know they ate maggots, but I didn't even are there. I didn't even realize there were maggots. Well, I don't you know. just learn something know. special every day. This is great. You know, hey, you can still learn after all these years. You know, uh, and that may be embellishment. I don't know. But the next day, I awoke and the dead mule had left. Hyde handed me morning meat and morning ale. She was wearing brown fur. I inquired about the new armor, and she said she had never known any mules. I asked Height with suspicion if she had fashioned the mule into a tunic. She glared at me in a way I did not like. Oh. (laughs) So maybe she's feeding him the mule. (laughs) So anyway, so that's what the whole point of it is. It's, it's, you take a, that's the first month of the expedition. And this is even before they actually had settled on their embark location. And as they're crossing a river, they say that a wheel breaks on their wagon. So that's where they chose to uh, embark and dig out their fortress. Of course, that is certainly embellishment because you just embark where you choose to embark. But eh, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. I think that isn't that the story of Kansas City? Like they founded it because the wagon broke down. Very well could be. <laughs> we are huge in Kansas City. I've seen the stats. I know the billboards have really paid off. So that's what Brave Mule is all about. Did you get that far, Roland? Yeah, I guess. When you explain it to me, it makes a bit more sense. I just read a few things and I was like, what? what I think I was still in the um, introduction 
so I didn't get that far. I have read uh, through the third month of their embark, and it's pretty cool. The uh, uh, medical dwarf is trying to drum up business, so she is offering to sew extra limbs on people if they come in and and want one. (laughs) Again, Uh, embellishment, (laughs) but probably based on, in some part, on the, uh, the mental status of that particular dwarf. Extra limbs, you say, hmm? Yeah, what was that here? Um, somebody has lost their cat. There she is. Det is the name of the uh, the medical dwarf. She practices her craft by slaughtering animals. Yeah, yeah I have to say, I didn't look at this one. Um, very curious, though, to check it out. I mean, I think anytime anybody does something that's creative, anything that happens in the game kind of sparks that, that curiousness or that creativity. Um, well, I think it that's also, cool. I'm, I'm down. It also uh, made me think of um, Roland's narratives that he's building. Are those based in a specific timely order? Yeah, they're novel-like to read. So it begins when the leader of the Seven is still in the kingdom, so they haven't embarked yet. And then you follow there to their embarked location, and then you kind of see what is happening on the embarked location. And it is in a timely order. Is it episodic? Mm, I mean, it kind of is, yes. But I try to make a fluid text. They are actually like chapters. Well, if you ever wanted to, again, publish that, I think that the website might be a good place for it. Unless, of course, you're uh, wanting to publish it with a a publishing house that uh, is guarding profits. So in that case the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable site probably would not be the best place to publish it. (laughs) Here's another thing, though, that I considered about what Brave Mule is doing. That would be a good way to force yourself to drill into the psyche of your dwarfs and perhaps help you dig into the complexity of the game that's not always right there on the surface. So that you make yourself, like, point so i have to write a story about this dwarf today so you you play a bit and then you check on him that's right you see that he got into an argument this season so then you have to dig back through to find out who it was that he got an argument into with i think that that might be a way to help someone at my level you know uh explore the complexities of the game better mm-hmm mm-hmm it's a good idea. Can you actually yeah. find out uh, what the argument was about? Is is it possible? Do they have different know. kind of arguments? I don't know that. Tony, do you know? I don't, I don't know if you can see that. I know you can sometimes see what they're studying, and you can see the dances that they're doing, um, and, and sometimes you can, you can kind of clue in on some of the poetry. So that's kind of cool. Like you can really get into the dances and, and the songs and see, and it goes super detailed. I don't know if you guys have looked at that, but like it'll show you how you play it, the, you know, on the upbeat and the downbeat. And I swear that there was some, somebody who decided to try to turn that into real music at some point. Oh, damn, I, could, yeah. I could be dreaming, but um, I'm sure that I saw that, which I thought was like, that's awesome. I mean, maybe it's nothing because I don't know if, Tarn Adams is a musician or anything, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. He is certainly a musician. He's a guitar player on well, Dwarf Fortress Vanilla. Vanilla Dwarf Fortress, you know, the uh, the pretty, almost classical, folksy, almost Diablo-like yeah. guitar music? That's Tarn. 
Oh. Diablo-like guitar music. What? The the music in the um, I can't remember what the name of the town in Diablo is, but uh, Tristan. Tristan, oh, I think, okay. is the name of the town. That's right, Tristan. Tristan. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So the music that plays while you're in town, talking to um, Ardra and Kane and and Griswold, the armor. I've I spent a lot of time playing Diablo in the '90s. Um, but anyway, the music that you play that, that they play as a background music while you're walking through town is this beautiful guitar based with some orchestra behind it. But it's a really nice song. And Tarn's theme from Dwarf Fortress reminds me a bit of that, except it is it is cooler because it's just the guitar. So yeah, that's all him. Nifty, very cool. That also leads into what we were want to talk about as kind of the main topic is complexity in Dwarf Fortress and how do you pull that out. It was suggested by a thread in the Dwarf Fortress subreddit. The topic was Dwarf Fortress can't possibly be that complex. And it apparently got a ton of upvotes and a heck of a lot of comments. So that was a thread that took off. <laughs> it is interesting to me how deep you can go on a lot of this stuff and how intricate. One of the things that I always wonder about is, am I imagining this or is this something that the game's actually really giving me? Is this actually a simulation or am I just kind of like extrapolating, you know, on somebody who, you know, didn't like cats or something and then there were more cats in the fort and she freaked out. Well, that seems pretty simple, but then it goes as far as like, you know, people completely obsessing about somebody like the butcher, for example, in one of my forts. We just had too many cats, so I had the butcher, you know, just turning cats into meat and leather and tallow and whatever else. And this person that loved cats ended up going insane and attacking the butcher. And I always just wondered, like, random or was this actually, is this actually a flag that's simulated in the game? Because that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know how I can keep track of all that stuff, but it's pretty neat. Hmm, that's neat. The original poster of that Reddit topic was the, saying that he was watching a video where Tarn Adams was talking about the interaction of villains and villain opposition, emergent narrative. And um, I believe that he was referencing a video that I will post a link to in the show notes. It's uh, from Roguelike Celebration 2018. The name of the video is Tarn Adams, Villains in Dwarf Fortress. And he does go through what seems to be I'm not going to say it's simplistic because the implementation would be a pain in the rear, but it is a straightforward breakdown of how the villains are going to work. And this guy who saw that video went and looked at his fortress and said, are we talking about the same game? No kidding. I mean, I, I see there, I see it being kind of, well, I mean, I'd say the only limit to the creativity is a CPU um, because I've definitely noticed that the more, stuff that it starts trying to keep track of the slower my game runs sometimes just when things are getting really good i realize that the fort has decided to give up the ghost and that's the end of us but you know i so i see all these ideas and futures and i'm I'm like well that seems really cool i hope you know we don't i hope things don't get messed around because we're trying to do too much with cpu but i'm sure he's optimizing and making things you know run a little bit easier and nicer and you can cap that. This is another thing that I hadn't realized is you can cap the embarks and you can change the size of the embark and you can limit the number of dwarves and visitors and that sort of stuff 
to kind of balance out the play, which is neat. Is that something that you do with DF hack or, uh, or is that something that's native to the game? Yeah, I think it's DF hack, but I could be totally wrong. I do it in the MEF tile set launcher. When I play, I'm using his, his tile set launcher and it, you know, one of the boxes is, um, you can set world parameters like, you know, temperature, weather that can impact frame rate. So if you're playing on a less powerful system, you can turn off temperature and weather, which is, I mean, I probably you could argue that that eliminates some of the fun, but you know, maybe getting rid of weather isn't a big deal. I don't know. Um, but you can set your population cap. So on mine, I've got it set for 160 as my population cap and then 220 as my hard cap. So after that, you won't get new visitors and you won't get new migrants or anything, which I mean, hey, that's, that's cool. Like they got to stop coming at some point, don't they? Roland, yeah, no. do you cap your population? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, normally, you have to do it uh, manually in the raw somewhere, but the launcher just does that for you. You can uh, resize your embark location in Vanilla 2. I just added that. Uh, yes, my own population is capped at about 250, I think. Uh, no, uh, normally I have it on, on 150, but then there's a strict population cap at 250. So sometimes I can still get babies when I already have 150 dwarves. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? If you cap it too much, then the dwarves can't have babies. Or... Yeah, that a, it gets a, a bit weird. Sometimes dwarves count as pregnant, but your strict um, population cap is already reached, so they cannot give birth. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's like the China one-child policy or whatever. <laughs> it's even worse. the The fortress manager has has implemented a strict population cap, so he has told me that I can't come to term, and I'm just going to have to wait until we have room for growth before I'm <laughs> going to be able to deliver my baby. Yeah, so somebody. Yeah gets into a fell mood a fell i think it's fell mood is which i've happily never had but um i know that it's a thing well how else are you going to get your dwarf bone buckler if you don't have someone go into a fell mood every once in a while it's classic it's totally a classic thing <laughs> yeah you gotta have your dwarf bone leggings or whatever you know <laughs> yeah you very need protective. some dwarf bone helm to like secure your own dwarf bone oh poor dwarves <laughs> The Reddit, the subreddit post was done by a guy named Brave Equilibrium, and uh, I recommend everybody check that that thread out. The thread's called Dwarf, uh, sorry, DF can't possibly be that complex. I can understand where this guy's coming from, though, uh, who who created this post because I find myself in that situation sometimes too, where and it's I realize that it's because I'm still not 100% comfortable with the game, and I'm not exploring it to the depths that it could be. So his point was he hears Tarn Adams and Krug Smash and all these folks talking about all these things that they're extracting and maybe some embellishment, but, but you know, the emergent gameplay. And then they go back to their fortress and the visitors from the, from the mountain homes say nothing's changed. Everything's just like it was. And they go through their their day to day in their fortress, and nothing happens. I think, I think you have to survive. You know, like you you have to have a fort that lasts a certain amount of time. And if you die off, you know, before the first siege because of lack of water or food or whatever, that's food's a 
problem that I've had a lot. You know, if your dwarves starve to death, then you know you don't really reach that complexity until you've kept them alive and kind of kept grinding around for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, these cool things start to happen. You start to see some of these more complicated aspects of the game. Yeah, yeah. I I actually asked him when he posted that. I was one of the first people to actually um, comment on that. And I asked him if he never had any kind of siege, either goblin or human elven or any monster uh, stuff happening. And he told me um, that he had it happen. And But he he just... I mean... It happened for him, you know? Stuff happened. So he had a siege, he had monsters coming, but, I mean, it is it is in the game. So I, one thing I saw was that um, sometimes the world itself can be um, a determining factor in how interesting it is, because... I when I generate the new world, I'll often make sure that there's other stuff that I can get to or around. Because one time I had this amazing volcano embark, and when I embarked on it, it was connected to the world. Um, and so I built this cool fort with these great traps that dropped people into lava, and I was super excited about it. And one caravan came, and that was great. And then something happened in the world, and all of a sudden, this glacier came in, and um, I was totally cut off from everything. So I had no more sieges, no more caravans, no nothing. And there was, you know, maybe some stuff happening in the rest of the world, but I couldn't get to it. So I was really bummed about that. And now I'm trying to just make sure that I'm close and I'm not like on an isolated island. Because if you get yourself too far away from where everybody else is, you just don't see anything. Like there's no depth. So I try to go for like smaller worlds and just make sure that I embark close to danger or whatever. Yes, I, I agree in that. I had I tried to like populate a small island with only dwarves. And the first two forts that I made there were really boring. I mean bland. Nothing really happened. Um the first one actually got a few beasts, but, but then there were no more beasts on the entire island, so the second didn't get any beasts anymore but the more fortresses i built on that island i think i made like six so the last one actually got some migrants from that fort some migrants from that and it was really interesting so i i checked legends viewer i use that a lot so i had legends xml extracted before i started to play and I could just look into it, like, ah, oh, this dwarf is from, from there, and this uh, dwarf is from there, and uh, this dwarf actually has a nickname, and uh, let's see why you have a nickname. And uh, he was from way back when I named people in my fortresses, and I don't know why I gave the dwarf a name, but... He had some history, and you could see it with the Legends view, but if you don't have the Legends viewer open or have extracted the uh, Legends XML, it's, it's really hard to see it. Like, you just see a dwarf with a nickname, and you have no idea anymore why. Why did that guy come? Yeah, and why did this guy even have a nickname from me? <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. that's... I think that might be what the person, the original poster was looking for out of the game. 
a little bit more explicit, maybe a pop-up saying, uh, this guy was, uh, came from a, well, I don't know how you did it. You know, one thing I found also, and that it took me much, much longer to, to kind of get into the spirit of is when I would do a fort, um, I would play through it. And then if things didn't work out, I would just go back and then I would go back to the main menu and I'd create new world. Um, because I just didn't think about the fact that it's a world that's kind of dynamically changing and evolving. So when I figured out that I could, if my fort didn't work, I would just retire it. Um, and then go back and start a new embark, you know, in the same world, maybe close to the one I did before the dwarves are of the same civilization or whatever. And then that really kind of made it richer for me because then I could see some of these goblin civilizations, for example, you know, and I could watch what they were doing and I could see the towns that they were taking over and I could see, you know, my fort and what happened to it. Um, you know, did the goblins attack it? Oh, now look, there's 10,000 people there now or whatever. Hey, that's cool. And it, it become a lot more real. And then I, and then I realized, you know, you can go into adventure mode and then go look around some of these other towns. Um, and that's pretty cool too. But like Roland says, I think the legends mode is super cool too. Once I figured it and the, the legends view, um, app that you can download makes it pretty neat. That way you can view the legends mode without having to quit your game, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You you can export the you know, the legends info and then you can pull up the legends viewer and it's this cool XML interpreter or whatever. Pretty neat. Well, Tarn Adams a couple months ago did a interview with a YouTube channel called Indie Hangover. And he actually discussed this. They were talking about what kind of things uh, would be changing perhaps to improve the user experience. And he talked about having the emergent gameplay that is there already, but buried so that it takes work to, to suss it out. He talked about him and Zach discussing ways that they can make that a little more user-friendly and have it more on the surface. Yeah, I mean, cool. the best thing you could actually do uh, I think would be, for example, like a Legends viewer in the game that's already up to date. So you're playing the Fortress mode right now, and without actually quitting your fort or leaving it or going back to the main menu, even you can access the Legends viewer that is right now up to date to this very tick in the game. And I mean, the the legend stuff is there it is there it's it is just buried you know beneath the fortress mode but just imagine you you see something happen in the fortress mode you see some guy coming along and you can just click on the the legends whatever and you can go back and see what's your history and you can do it for your dwarfs you can do it for just random visitors. You can do it for any kind of stuff. You can even look into, um, hey, my, I don't know, my neighbor civilization, goblins, weirdos, and, well, what you guys did in the last 10 years. Yeah, um, if you've come across it, there's a mod that will let you build a librarian's desk. So if you build a... You know, if you build the university or whatever, or the library, 
zone, you can build a librarian's office, and then when you use the librarian, it'll let you drop to Legends mode, which is pretty neat. What? Okay, I need that mod. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. It's super useful. Um, I think in order to make it, you have to build like four bookcases or whatever, but it's a cool looking um, workshop. So it's, yeah, it's basically a workshop. And one of the things is read the Legends mode. And I feel like it's not really cheating because a good librarian is going to know all about the world anyway. Right? So that seems like a pretty solid thing to do. But yeah, I just use it to ex occasionally export my Legends file and then I can watch what's going on. So you see how the world's changed. And that really brightens it all up for me because I can look and I can say, oh no, the goblins are going to go start raiding them and that kind of stuff. It's pretty fun. It makes you more involved anyway. Dwarf Fortress. It is as complex as they say. I had a bad thing happen. I decided that I was feeling brave. Um, oh, and, oh. and I don't know if I've mentioned this. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> um, so I decided that I was feeling really brave um, after having watched a, a certain YouTuber do so much cool stuff in adventure mode. I thought, oh, um, and I had a I had an embark with lots of people getting taken prisoner, um, and I and I just can't seem to get these guys back. I don't know what is the deal. I don't maybe you know. Hopefully, if somebody's listening, they can say this is a great way to rescue people. But I thought I would go in and just manually try to rescue my dwarves. So it was cool. So I got my adventure. It was really cool, strong demigod or whatever. And I went through and I went to the goblin pits. And lo and behold, all around the pits, there are my kidnapped dwarves just kind of hanging out um, as prisoners. And so I went around and rescued them all. And I had like 10 of them. And I was so happy to see some of these, you know, they were like my legendary axe lords. And so I was psyched. So I started bringing them back and I was like fantastic and they were all excited to come join me and so we're heading out and then there's a stream and I'm you know I just boldly set it across it and all 10 of them died they all drowned in the stream because apparently they can't <laughs> swim. so in rescuing my 10 dwarves I killed them all with my adventure um so I was really sad and uh, I have not come back to that world just because I feel like now I can't really face these dwarves after what I've just done to them. Now now I've killed their hopes and you know, maybe they all think their loved ones are still missing, but I know the truth and I can't quite live with myself. So I, I did a new world generation after that because I felt so bad. Oh no. Was this the same world that you uh have been trying for so long to wipe out the goblins? Yep. That was the one where they had the I'd I'd found a hedgehog man monster in this in this, you know, in this goblin pit. And so I'd been looking for him and I had able to find him um, because I find goblin pit just to be completely just they don't make any sense to me at all I can't figure it. but um yeah I, my next thing was to first thing was rescue the prisoners then I was just gonna go you know I was gonna be all like Bruce Willis on him or whatever and no it didn't that didn't work out so well so yeah I, I maybe I'll come back to it I, I have archived the world and it's you know preserved in perpetuity in seven zip format on my but i i had to i had to redo it i just couldn't live with myself how sad yeah but yeah all, all's well that ends well so the new one i generated is crazy one, mantis men and 
it's using the new MEF tile set that has support for dogs. So I've got like collies and dachshunds and all, all kinds of crazy stuff running around the <laughs> fort now, which is, you know, it's just the depth I didn't know I needed. <laughs> Wait, so different dog races, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, my God. oh okay. <laughs> yeah. It's the depth I, you never knew. You, yeah. I think I saw the list. There's like 40 or 50 breeds that are on there, what? I think. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I'll try to find that and stick it in the show notes, too. <laughs> yeah, you need this. If you don't have it, you need it. I, I think unless you're totally on the world you're in and you want to see it through to the, to the bitter end, you know, then do that. But if you're ready to get digging in into a new world, you know, do power of 10,000 dachshunds or whatever. I, I want to do war, war dachshunds, an army of war dachshunds. That's, that's war corgis. War corgis. Yeah, that's in there. <laughs> they have corgis. I love it. God, my ankles hurt. <laughs> 7,000 Yorkies. I mean, where does it end? I guess you could have, you know, poodle soap. So it's interesting what you were talking about, um, Roland, with the names popping up of your previous forts, uh, people with nicknames, because I have decided that my fortress is going to be retired for at least some amount of time. But before I do so, I'm going to name all of the fortress residents after 1950s era rock and roll pioneers so that my next, uh, my next fortress that I have, I will know immediately if somebody comes in because they will come in as Johnny cash or, (laughs) (laughs) or Patsy Klein, the dwarf or buddy Holly, the big bopper and so on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. You you should do that, and uh, especially if you have like a theme on every fort that's different. You know, um, exactly. That's, that's great. That's great. Um, I just did random names from people I know. That's not really a theme. Try to do that, and you will be surprised on how many dwarves you can actually and re-encounter. And I think by naming a dwarf, uh, he becomes like a historical figure. Um, ah. so, so you can always go into Legends Viewer and type up, what is my boy uh, Eric doing? Or whatever, you know? And Eric the Viking? Whatever he's done will pop up in the Legends Viewer. Okay, maybe he hasn't done anything and just died in, I don't know, child bed. But he will still pop up. And there, because he is now a historical figure, which is a horrible English word for me to pronounce, um, maybe there will be engravings or pictures about it. Cool. Yes. (laughs) And this artifact is adorned with pictures of Johnny Cash. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine it. Imagine it. No, that's an idea. There you go. Uh, so yeah, we're certainly going to try that. I think that I talked about how I was moving my, my fortress from, uh, the, the first level down to a few Z levels deeper, uh, in one of our previous episodes, that is really what has destroyed the usefulness of this, of this fortress. It just is a 
big muddy blurry mess it's getting retired you got to do it yeah if it's not working blow it away and start again i i'm a i'm a fan of that you know you just go until you until it doesn't work and each time you kind of pick up a little something else like um one to oh you know what i, I don't know if you guys i totally changing the subject but this is kind of related to fortress design so that's why i'm saying it go ahead. have you guys ever had the things where the people are sad because they haven't they you know it's been too long since they've acquired something new mm-hmm. and they're sad so one way i was reading to deal with that is you um you in your stockpile room in the furnished goods or the furniture or whatever, you make a new pile of goods and then you de-zone the old one. And then when they're moving it over, just that act of having them go move it, they find things they're happy. Huh. Hmm. So that's a tip that seems to have done me well. And I was like, hey, that's cool. So like you cleaning up your old room and like finding toys from back then and like, (laughs) I'm going to keep this. Yeah, it's like, hey, that looks fun. I yeah, and then they and then they'll um and then they'll totally just get get to it, which um yeah, so that that worked. I it it upgraded some of my moods. Hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll pick up those new gauntlets and take them to their room and put them in the floor. Yeah, so now when I now when I build my storerooms, I'll just build like two huge like circle. I use dig circle with DF hack just because I like the circular rooms. Um, and so I'll build two like big circles, and then I'll have one pile over here. Occasionally, I'll have them back. And that seems to it seems to really cure what ails them. Hmm. Yeah. So, I'll keep you know, like mind. all these things. You know, I just like it's like all these. I never know my imagining the benefit or is it actually a benefit that's happening so <laughs> it seems like it really works have you had a chance to play much roland um this week yes um so i was mostly sick so i could stay home and play huh. and um yeah I, I i played a bit um for the f- i'm i'm in this ford right now for about 10 years and it's quite nice. So yeah, I I do have um jacko people in the fort. Uh, yeah, jacko people are a bit smaller than dwarfs. I didn't know. I thought they're like same height or something, but they need smaller um, clothing, which is kind of annoying, but it's fine. My mayor is a jacko woman with like. 12 children so they're really going at it <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so you've gone for the the uh, multiple races fort the mm-hmm. diversity fort yeah i like it i like doing those hold on here i did not really realize that was possible so whenever you have these multiple races you said that the mayor was a was a jackal person or a jackal woman mm-hmm. so Whenever you, you know, do you get to assign these people jobs? No, 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 no. Um, she just has the best uh, social interaction skills in my fortress. And so she, like, is so friendly to everyone that everyone is like, I want this person as the mayor. So, uh, so apart from her, other jackal people that you have in your fortress... 
are they accessible for you to uh, make one a minor or is yeah. this mm-hmm. okay? I didn't realize that. I thought that you could only uh, in your fortress mode, you could only deal with dwarves. No, no, um, you uh, like at the start, you only have dwarves, of course, but sometimes people come into your fort and ask for citizens, uh, or they ask to stay for a while. And sometimes I've had that happen, I have had yeah, them yeah, petition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they are not military per- people, they will soon ask for a real citizenship. And if you accept them, they become a real citizen, which means that you can assign jobs for them and they can become a mayor or bookkeeper or whatever. And maybe they can actually become a king of your fortress or your entire civilization. Great. Service guarantees citizenship. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually working on making... Uh, her name is Renny, um, the Jekyll woman mayor. And I'm trying to make her a queen by an unfortunate accident to the old queen. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping this works out. I sense foul play there. I'm just not sure if uh, the title king or queen is goes to the sons or daughters or just to random people. I'm not sure how this actually works. I've never done... I've never killed a noble. I'm I'm serious. You know me as a sadist and as a horrible (laughs) person, but I've never killed a noble. So I have no idea how this works. (laughs) So you're fine with throwing children at trolls, but when it comes to regicide, no. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like, children are okay, you can make them again, but nobles, mm-mm, mm-mm-mm. Like I said, Adams, a month or two ago, did an interview with um, Indie Hangover. It's a half-hour interview just of, of Tarn Adams and the interviewer just discussing uh, the Steam release and, and Dwarf Fortress. And, and Adams goes over a lot about the things that he would like to see improved to make the game friendlier for, for newbies. And <laughs> he's like talking about, you know, use the lazy noob pack because I don't really see how anybody would not use it now that it's there. Of course, um, with, uh, with MEF's launcher uh, as well. I really wish that Mef's launcher worked on on Linux, but I guess. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Or or on Mac, I, I would love if somebody did something for the Mac tools because they're really really bad. I mean, sorry, not to denigrate anybody's hard work, but I've I've had some problems where you know I can fix them because I know how to do Mac stuff, but it's not it's not as smooth and easy as it is with some of the windows stuff. And I get it. You know, it's like windows has just got a bigger audience and more people developing on it. And I certainly, again, denigrate the hard work that people are doing for the Mac pack, but I would love it if more of these tools worked across platform. That would be. The same thing can also be said about the, uh, about, about Linux, but what I found 
helped me and pretty much got rid of all of my issues with the troubles that I was having getting the the lazy noob back to work well on Linux is I made a script to where I just run that as 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 you do a sudo on the lazy noob pack. And once you do that, all the problems with it go away. And it's I don't consider it unsafe because you're still containing it to the things that are being run out of the lazy noob pack. It's not trying to access other parts of your system. It could, I guess. So that it's dangerous in that. But I just have a script that I type the word dwarf anywhere on my computer and it runs sudo pi noob pack, whatever the name of that, that Python script is. And it runs it as, as, uh, as root and goes smooth. Before that I was having permissions problems out the yin yang. Yeah. I think, um, Mef will give, he hasn't, he has a zip file of his tile set that, that you can, you know, if you know how to install tile sets, I think you can do that on the next windows. You can manually put them in there, but I don't know how to do that. I've never had any success doing that. It's just, and I just end up breaking everything. Um, so that's a thing, but he also has mods put into the launcher pack on windows. So inevitably now I'm just, I just play it on windows cause you know, you can't fight city hall. You can sure try though. <laughs> <laughs> I do plan on perhaps uh, moving this world over to Windows and see if I can get it to run first with Lazy Noob Pack, and then I might try getting the MEF launcher going with uh, with it because I do like his uh, I do like his tile set a lot. Yeah, I just feel like I've um, I've gotten very dependent on some of his on some of his mods. I, I love the librarian. I think that some of his new workshops he's got a crematory, which is pretty cool, and so you can like turn bits of old dead creatures or whatever into ash. That's pretty useful. The gem forge is pretty neat. He's got some cool stuff and he's, you know, he's like a pixel artist. So he's done the, he's drawn up the workshops for him too, which makes it even more fun. It's all, all fun. Everything's fun. It's all fun. I love it. All. <laughs> <laughs> I should play this game more. <laughs> yes. Another thing that, uh, that Adams talked about, the villain's development, he is going to be taking that and putting a hard stop whenever he gets done with those additions. And they're going to release uh, a Dwarf Fortress classic, if you will. And at that point, and they talked like that they wanted this to be happening maybe a fall of this year. At that point, they are going to stop new feature development and put all of their attention on user interface and making the user interface be much better so that it will be more accessible to people on Steam. And that all of the things that are there now will still be there for, for whoever wants it, but there will also be easier ways to do things for people who aren't used to the Door Fortress interface. I think that sounds like a great idea. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's I, I, Somebody, another thing that was posted this this past week on Reddit was another article about you know, Dwarf Fortress is this impossible but beautiful game. And I was like, you know, I don't know that it's, I don't know, I'd call it impossible. I think it's like anything, you know, you can learn how to, if you've played a base builder game or, you know, any of those SimCity things, the concepts are there. So maybe if you've never played that, it seems draconian. But the interface, if you use a good guy, it's like it's not intuitive by any stretch of the imagination. And I won't try to say that it is, but I wouldn't say it's impossible. I mean, the concepts make sense. and things mostly work the way that they should. So I think you can get 
reasonably competent in a short period of time, but then there's just definite, you know, there are definite levels that you can kind of ascend into and you, you, you're always going to find new things that you didn't know about. Like the, you know, how do you keep them happy? Well, you piles or, you know, how do you make soap? Well, that feels impossible at first, but then by the end, you know, you realize well, you just need to have these three things. It's that it's not a big deal. Um, Okay, and then I think about mine cards, and then now I now never mind. It's all just not. <laughs> it's impossible. It does suck. I give up. This game's too hard. Go away. Stop listening. <laughs> uh, I'm not 100 percent sure what you really would use mine cards for. Anyway, um, is it like a faster wheelbarrow? I don't know, but you know what we should do? We should put out a call for mine carts. Like if there's a mine cart engineer, Leonardo, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's. If anybody does that, maybe we have them on to educate us on the beautiful brilliance of minecarts. Because I'm, yeah, I want to know. I, I want to know that. So that sounds awesome. Uh, well, potentially. The Kiets uh, user, I think he asked exactly that. Get someone on there who talks about minecarts. Yeah, know yeah. He, he asked for us, for us to do that. And uh, I was like, mm, where? Uh, uh, minecarts, you're saying. <laughs> um, I mean, I do make wheelbarrows because I don't have to care. But minecarts are like what, what? But they're the great stuff. Um, you you can do with them potentially, like an automatic siege cleanup, or just oh. uh, putting random liquids into barrels, like goblin sweat, and sending that to elves. <laughs> <laughs> that's just horrible <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's the elves so it's <laughs> and and you label it as uh it's drinking water so the elves just will drink it and like mm, tastes salty <laughs> <laughs> oh my 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 i think that might be a good place to wrap things up yeah sounds mm -hmm. good let me look back through here at the uh, the Reddit. Oh, well, one thing, we've been getting uh, nothing but nice, positive feedback from uh, our listeners. And uh, they seem to like the, the format of the show, that I am an idiot and you guys know more. And that, that Roland is sadistic and Tony has a, has a dry, sharp wit, I think was the description that someone gave it. So. <laughs> Uh, he didn't call me an idiot, and he didn't call Roland sadistic, but I think he did use the term dry wit for Tony. So. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. I like but it. But yeah, it seems, to, it seems to be resonating well with uh, with listeners, and I'm, I'm very happy about that. So anybody else got anything they want to talk about this week? Not really. Nope. Crickets Gold. and pin drop. <laughs> Gold, golden. Uh, happy Father's Day again to all the dads out there. Have a dwarfy everybody time. have, yeah. Everybody have a dwarfy week. You know, it sounds all right at the beginning, but if you use dwarfy as an adjective too much, it just loses its coolness. Yeah, y'all have a great week. Glad you're feeling better, Roland. <laughs> Same. And see. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section of this episode. 
While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music is Sky QLN, composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.com. You can find a link in the show notes. This is a microcline podcast. All Crafts Dwarfship is of the highest quality. It is encrusted with rectangular microcline cabochons and encircled with bands of oval mica cabochons and oval microcline cabochons. This podcast menaces with spikes of mica and granite. On the podcast is the image of point-cut gems in mica.